Welcome to Business in Uncertain Times, conversations with Maine's island and coastal small business owners. I'm Claire, a community development officer at the Island Institute. And today I'm joined by my colleague, the Marine Business Specialist, Peter Picconi. Peter chats with Brendan Parsons of Blackstone Point Oysters. Brendan is from Damariscotta, the birthplace of Maine aquaculture, and he's the reigning three-time state of Maine oyster shucking champion. He first started farming for oysters for his summer job in high school, and since then has grown to have his own farms and a restaurant and market. Running a business that relies heavily on tourism, Brendan talks about what a year-round economy could look like for him, and also how important it is to build networks among fellow oyster growers right now. Also joining us on this call is Galen Koch of the First Coast. We are very excited to have brought Galen on as a producer for this show. I hope you enjoy the episode. Brandon, hey, thanks for joining us today. Um, it's it's uh, it's actually nice to reconnect with you a little bit. I know we've had a kind of a history just because you were part of the ABD program for the Institute. So you've got a lot of there, but I thought we'd start out just by getting a sense of your history, where you started. So if you could just tell us who you are, your name and your business, and then tell us, give us your history, kind of what you've, where you started, how you got here, um, if you're native, and then where your business went to, and then where it's at now. Uh, my name is Brendan Parsons, and I grew up in Damariscotta. Uh, which is, uh, as many of you might know, is where it kind of like aquaculture first started here in Maine. So I've been around oysters uh, for quite a while growing up. I didn't have a lot of interest necessarily growing up in oysters. Uh, you know, it was one of those like kind of like background noise things that you uh, kind of just take for granted growing up around uh, such an incredible product. It, in high school, I worked at an oyster farm. Uh, I want to say because I was chasing after the oyster farm, uh, it was just a job and, you know, I, I jumped into it and it was really hard work and I enjoyed it. And then I started working for a catering company too, where I would shuck oysters with them for weddings and, you know, corporate events around the state. And then I graduated college at the University of Maine, Orono with a degree in economics and renewable energy and did the classic uh, ski bum year out west, nice. uh, which was a bust, mind you. It was a terrible year out at Squaw. But uh, so I came back, and when I came back, it was 2015, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And you know, I had been working with oysters at a farm and then catering too, so I was familiar with that side of it. So I decided to start a food cart business in Portland called BP's Shuck Shack, which was Maine's first oyster food cart where I literally bought an Oscar Mayer hot dog cart and converted it into a oyster cart that I sell oysters down on Commercial Street with. Um, so that's 2015, 2016. I uh, got another food cart, started farming oysters on the river because I had developed a really great relationship with the farmers uh, the previous year. And they really let me in on uh, kind of how they farm stuff. I got a lot of hand-me-downs. And yeah, so that's 2016. We started farming with LPAs in the river. I believe that is when I signed up. It was a winter. It might have been 2016 into 2017 when I signed up with you guys for the first aquaculture cohort with the Island Institute, um, which was awesome. And I credit a lot of great connections I have to this day to that program. And then in 2017, we started renovating a restaurant in Damariscotta and took a little bit longer than anticipated. It was an old gas station. 
and uh, finally got up and running at midsummer. And then our full su- first real season at the restaurant was 2018. And that restaurant is called the Shuck Station. Um, and yeah, and since then, you know, still farming, uh, sell oysters. I do dis- distribution as well. So I sell the restaurants and other wholesalers down in Portland. And the location, yeah, we, we really focus on oyster education. Uh, that was the thing that I thought would separate myself from other establishments is the oyster education. I like to say that people know two things about oysters, and that's whether they like them or they don't like them. And after that, they really don't know that much about oysters. So, you know, when I can tell you that it's, you know, a top cultured oyster that's grown in the most northern part of the river, it's two years old, it's a little bit sweeter because of freshwater influence, or I talk about a four-year-old oyster that's grown in the deepest part of the river that they die for. Um, you know, you can kind of romanticize it and just make people appreciate all the work that goes into farming oysters and, uh, and also the, the nuances, the different flavors, the, you know, the miroir of uh, each oyster and, you know, how the farm itself handles, uh, uniquely handles each oyster. Because there's not like one way to grow an oyster. There's a lot of Yankee ingenuity, I'd like to say, as far as site location and just what works good for uh, the workers there. Okay. So you're focusing specifically on the retail storefront and then a little bit as a distributor than on some level when you're buying products from other oyster farmers. Correct. You know, every place in town sells oysters, but they would only really sell one farm. And Dameron Scott River is where like roughly 75% of the state's oysters come from. Mm -hmm. You know, it's where aquaculture first started here in Maine. And so I just saw an opportunity to really try and represent every single farmer. If you Mm -hmm. come into my restaurant, you'll see pictures of all the farmers on the wall. We have a really neat interactive map of the river showing you where each oyster farm is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because let's just say you're going down the river and you'll see an oyster farm. You don't really, they don't have like specific colors or anything like that to identify themselves. So having this map just helps create a little bit better bearings for people. Um, and as far as, you know, uh, us implementing it, there's kind of, it's just kind of like an aha moment where people are just kind of waiting for, I believe a wider variety of oysters, uh, in town. And, uh, again, just getting just the education part because it's just such a rich area of history, getting back over 2000 years to the Glidden Midden and Whaleback Midden and the Native Americans. And, you know, just sharing that story is something that I really appreciate and gravitate towards you know having grown up here you mentioned having all these photos of farmers on the wall and these people that you are like integrated with as a business that you sell their oysters like have you heard any stories from folks about how they're adapting to the new normal and what people are trying to do and how you're kind of supporting them yeah it's I feel like it's always changing right now as we are as new guidelines are released um, and dates are pushed back or um, not pushed back after they said they might be. So, you know, there's so much uncertainty there. I believe, you know, the biggest problem for the oyster farmers of recent is the closures of the restaurants. And that's where a majority of oysters are purchased is at restaurants. And so people are trying to do, you know, a push of trying to get people to buy more oysters and shuck them at home, which can be challenging. But, you know, some of the farms have posted videos on how to shuck oysters. There's certain contraptions out there that make it a little bit safer for you to shuck oysters. 
Um, and so that's one way that people have been kind of pivoting. Uh, also, a lot of uh, farms are now shipping more oysters too because they've lost those uh, accounts, those restaurant accounts. So they're shipping to home uh, houses. And so just more packaging there, more safety, uh, cleanliness. I mean, oyster farming is always a, a cleanly business as far as safety goes. Um, and so, you know, I would definitely say that's heightened right now. But the what I've definitely noticed is just a, the sales are going down at the moment because of the lack of restaurants being open. And the curve or the what we're hoping to try and push is just more people shucking at home and learning how to shuck. And that is something I've been working with some people on as well. Hey, Brent, it's, it's here mid-May. Um, what are you doing now to prep for your opening? Do you open June 1st? Is that correct? Yeah, we're going to open up uh, June 4th, that Friday, um, because June 1st, I believe, is a Monday. I don't have a calendar in front of me. Um, and all these days are kind of blending in together, so hold, don't hold me to it if that date is not quite right. Um, but yeah, we're planning on opening then. Uh, in between, well, I bought a house this past year, and it was supposed to be for employee housing. Because we're a seasonal restaurant, one of the biggest challenges is housing and affordable housing uh, and temporary housing. You know, people that aren't getting locked into year long leases. And uh, I had an opportunity to purchase a house uh, that is also going to be tied to my oyster farm, uh, which I don't know if I've mentioned yet, but is Blackstone Point. And that uh, the employee housing is in right across the street from the river. So we have access to the river from it. It's close to town so it was just a perfect spot to have seasonal uh employee housing but unfortunately a lot of my housing uh employees have fallen through whether they were j1s or interns for the summer so that's been challenging uh but still charging ahead with that trying to finish that off but as far as the restaurant thing goes we've uh expanded our kitchen we are adding a fish market it won't be, uh, it's in one of our garage bay areas that we've just converted and dedicated to this space. And just trying to really always reading these CDC guidelines and trying to get a pulse on when things are going to be opening and what we really have to adhere by. Uh, because we want to make sure we're taking all the necessary precautionary steps in order to provide a safe and casual atmosphere at the same time which is really tough to do it's uh it's challenging but you know number one is definitely going to be safety and that's what we're orienting ourselves around so physically in your seating area since outdoors so have you had to physically change your seating area or what physical modifications have you had to do just to adjust to the covid era well anyone that's been to our restaurant knows that our indoor dining isn't super large um, so that's kind of, as far as, you know, having six feet apart when customers are coming in, it's a big part of it right there. Uh, another thing that we've had to adjust is we are going to be transitioning to counter service this season, mm -hmm. which was really tough for me to do because one of the things that I pride myself and well, the, our, our establishment on is our service. And again, that comes with the education side of it. And I feel that whenever you kind of do counter service, you lose a little bit of that, uh, you know, personal connection, that service that I really think we excelled at. And 
that was tough at the beginning, but the more, you know, we keep drilling in this new um, way to serve people, we're coming up with ways where we can still get all these messages, all these fun built like facts about oysters and the river across to our customers that really in the long run won't deplete or take away from that experience that we're, we're known to provide. Um, but again, it's just something that we have to do right now in these times and that is pivot and adhere to uh, the new guidelines and the new normal. Thank you. Um, so you're a seasonal business and you currently employ how many employees? Um, uh, last time I checked for the restaurant this season, we have 14 employees. Um, but that'll pick up here too, as we kind of hit peak season. Okay. So when you're at peak, plus you're going to operate the fish market, do you expect that to, to go to like 15 or 20 employees? Or yeah, you know, so it's, it's hard, you know, we have part-time and full-time workers. Um, but we're really trying to do more full-time now. So I don't know if that necessarily will grow by much, um, as some of our part-time people take on more, um, duties and responsibilities, which, uh, is challenging because I'm lucky or we're lucky in the fact that a lot of our employees wear like many different hats. Like the one thing I've learned so far in my short business venture is uh, the value of human capital. And it's really about your team. I, I, I can't, I, I just caught myself saying I, and it is most certainly not I, it is for certain uh, a strong willed, body of uh local community members that are behind me that support everything we're doing um and you know i am very lucky for how many hats these people wear and how flexible they are with these trying times because i don't always have the right answers to tell them regarding what things are going to be like and you know that's challenging as an owner um not really knowing but i also can you know I also know that that's also the case for a lot of other people and it's not just me by any means. So part of what's happened here with small businesses all throughout Maine is as like a month ago, they started to try to find resources and they tried to get information that was key for their business to move forward. So can you identify some of the resources that were helpful for you to adapt your business to the current climate? Was it the small business DC corporation was it banks was it attorneys was it people in your community how did you get those resources and who did you resource directly to find those did you go to websites etc yeah um well the suppliers have been very helpful all of my uh suppliers of food um the, you know they they're getting these questions all the time from so many different business owners um in similar situation as us and they've been reassuring talking about how they can provide certain services that um, really are extremely helpful. Working with my oyster farmers, you know, because they're in the same boat, they're worried, you know, their sales have dipped significantly and trying to create, you know, a stronger network, which we already have an incredibly strong network here, but, you know, just that communications, you know, reassurance um, has been huge. My accountant's been great having that financial voice of, uh, you know, reason along with my uh bank the first national bank of damascata they've been very reassuring and that's what has been i guess helping keep any kind of peace of mind is reassurance that we will all get through this 
and obviously the community people just being supportive of what we're doing trying to have us back because that makes it feel like it's normal for them too it's again we're all in this together i know that's a, a saying that has been you know said and said again but it is again reassurance that things will get better and that we will get through this and through these trying times because that's what we do thanks that's really informative part of what we see in these kind of situations is people that have networks that they can lean into other people they are more resilient in their business type community it sounds like you resourced people versus a website in this so you went to dealers that were helping sell fish you went to local community members that were selling oysters so your network and those resources really gave you the information you needed versus a website or some publication correct correct a hundred percent the case um you know, they might re reference a website where, you know, I can get the, the hard facts there, but it is the response time that you have with a person that is in a similar situation with you uh, regarding life and business that you can, you work it out at a much quicker rate and you feel a lot better than looking at a screen and trying to scroll through it and find this link to another link that then tells you that you went to the wrong link. Um, so yeah, the community is huge. I mean, all of my oyster farmers, you know, Norm Vega, Johns River, uh, Glidden Point, uh, Mooksy Farm, all of them have been very helpful on the river. And I just owe them so much, too, as far as, you know, guidance and along this uh, business journey of mine. Great. Oh, that's real informative. Um, tell me more about this. It sounds like your business works with the local community well and you have the environmental messaging is is sustainability part of your message both fiscally and giving back to the environment and the local community is that a message that is part of your business model sustainability oh uh 100% um i the sustainability is you know critical and just present in any kind of aquaculture uh, we what we've done on this river with aquaculture has made that the river healthier and uh, also produce a lot, uh, a very strong population of wild oysters too, which has sustained another market of fishermen, um, the wild harvesters that we then buy oysters back from uh, and sell. Um, and the sustainability of just creating jobs, fishing, Fishing is, you know, there's variables there. You have peak seasons and off seasons, but with farming and aquaculture, it's just, it's more regimented. It's, it's predictable. It's a little bit safer uh, in regards to job security. Um, not when you necessarily have a uh, current affairs. Um, doesn't uh, kind of changes the outlook on that. But again, those are things that pass and we can't just focus on that. We still have to, focus on being great stewards of the river and that comes into play with farming and obviously being sustainable in our practices what would it look like for you what kind of impact would it change for your business if you had the opportunity to go from a seasonal business to a year-round business what would that look like for you well, I think that'd be really great for me because one of the biggest challenges with a seasonal restaurant is employee retention. And, you know, I touched on it earlier today that, you know, I'm so thankful for my employees uh, that they 
wear many different hats, but at the end of the day, they have to do what's best for them. And when I can't necessarily supply them all with year round employment, it's challenging. Um, you know, some people are used to it and regarding just a traditional cycle of life, something they've just been used to. Uh, but I would feel a lot better if I could be open year round with some of these duties, uh, as far as just providing for the community and also providing for my employees and giving them good work year round where they don't have that interim of like trying to find another job that's can be really uncomfortable and unsettling. And the fish market should be interesting because there should be a fish market around year round in town. Having those options year round is what is necessary for a community. I mean, you can't, can't have everything be seasonal. Um, otherwise you, you have a weaker community. So that is something, you know, what would it take for me to operate year round? You know, it'd have to do with more, um, we're in an old gas station. It is cinder blocks and single pane windows everywhere. So there needs to be a, some pretty serious, uh, retrofitting in order for me to, uh, warmly, uh, operate uh, year round. Um, not saying it's not doable, but you know, there's, I guess I'm trying to take one challenge at a time right now. Um, but uh, it's definitely in the back of my head as far as, uh, you know, long-term plays. Great. Thanks. That's good. What's um, looking at the future a little bit now, because we're in the present and it sounds like you're making some neat adjustments to your business in the terms of spacing um, and getting your employees prepared for the environment. But what's it look like for the future for you? What's your biggest concern for kind of mid to the latter part of the summer? What's your biggest concern for the future for the next six months? Um, my biggest concern, without a doubt, is another spike um, in the COVID elsewhere. Not necessarily, well, in Maine, but elsewhere as well, because we just rely so much on tourism here in Maine. And currently there is a two-week mandatory quarantine for anyone coming out of the state. And that is really challenging for me and a lot of other seasonal businesses. And so that is one thing I'm having a really hard time shaking, but I'm just hoping that, you know, people are following the CDC guidelines and really trying to practice social distancing right now as things open back up. One would assume there might be some spikes. Um, hopefully not if people are practicing the CDC uh, guidelines. But that uncertainty right there is a little unnerving for sure because I wouldn't expect anyone to come up here in May in the peak of summer and stay inside for two weeks when it's beautiful outside and not get to travel anywhere uh, in this beautiful state of Maine. Um, so that's one thing that kind of keeps swirling around in the back of my head. Can you tell me something that's been really good for you in the past three or four weeks? Something positive that's been a good spin on your business or something that's been great? I know there's been just a lot of challenges, but just something super positive has been like, hey, this is great. There's been many things like that that are great. Um, and, you know, I guess some of the things that I would highlight is people to see me like asking when I'm going to be open and, you know, excited seeing people excited to go back out uh, and, you know, uh, visit establishments that they're, you know, patrons at is motivating and encouraging and uplifting the fish market response, you know, having local fish as well, um, supporting other fishermen, other oyster farmers, um, 
is going to be great. Uh, people have really expressed interest in that because with everything that's going on, a lot of people have been buying more and cooking more at home with everything and having a wider variety of local fresh fish is something that people are really excited about. That's great. Thanks. That's good. Um, you've been, thanks for sharing so well today a little bit. Is there anything that I haven't talked about or brought up that like you might want to mention today on, on, on any other front, just for your business, the COVID response, anything that's going to evolve in the next year for you? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, first things first, I would just say really be ready to support your like local restaurants. And um, I'm not just saying just mine. I'm talking about just all these other restaurants. It's a really tough industry. And you're not just supporting the restaurants. You're supporting farms around them when you support a restaurant, whether it's agriculture or it's aquaculture. Um, you know, you're supporting just people that, put up with a lot of stuff too. I mean, it's, you know, people can be tough and that doesn't matter what field it is, but when you're serving people, you know, those people have thick skin server servers in the back of the house. I mean, these people work really hard. Um, and it just, uh, you just got to acknowledge that. And I think being supportive of that is what you can do. That would be very beneficial. After that, I would say pick up, an oyster knife and watch a YouTube video, um, whether it's one we're going to post about how to shuck oysters or one that some other oyster farms have showed you. Um, I, I will do a, a little uh, vein plug. I am the reigning three-time state of Maine oyster shucking champ. Uh, so I think it's due that I do a little video of how to shuck oysters. But, you know, just picking a knife and shucking an oyster and learning a new little trade um, a skill to safely practice oyster shucking, I think is a great thing to do. Um, and I would say it's just again, reassurance that we're all going to get through this. If we, uh, just all band together by social distancing until, uh, the guidelines are changed and we are improving. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. This episode was produced and edited by Galen Koch. And as always, head to islandinstitute.org backslash small business to subscribe to our Commercial Currents newsletter. You'll receive content like this and more of our small business support delivered right to your inbox.